brother that I appreciate greatly, Mr. Cornell Cannon, to come and share the word with us. Man, praise the Lord. Good morning. I can't help, I can't get this song out of my mind ever since Taylor said that. I've got a golden ticket. <laughs> I've got a golden twinkle in my eye. Anybody who's seen Willie Wonka in the Chocolate Factory? The real version, the one with Gene Wilder. You know what I'm talking about. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father God, we just thank you for what you've done in our hearts already, Lord. We thank you for the words that have gone forth, Father God, that, that I believe already has been received, that has inspired and encouraged us, Lord. And Father God, we thank you, Father God, for that, that your word does not return void. We thank you, Father God, that your word is profiting and benefiting us even now, Father God. Uh, we thank you for the hearts that have received it, Lord, and the fruit that shall be born, Father. And, and we just ask your blessing on the, on the word as, I go, as it goes forth, Lord, and, and, uh, and, and may you get glory from, from it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I don't necessarily... have the, 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 the magic title, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about a couple of things this morning. And one of them being fear, another being stuck. You know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, so I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Samuel 17. Ah, it's so, it's so hard for, it's so hard for me not to run my mouth, so y'all are going to have to pray for me. I know that may be a shock to a lot of y'all, but. I guess it's not a shock. 1 Samuel 17. I am doing ESV, English Standard Version. And I'm going to start in the uh, fourth verse. And I'm not necessarily going where we typically go. But in it reads, and there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. I know everybody knows what that means. But 5,000 shekels of bronze, the weight of his mail was basically, a, I believe, 125 pounds. 
And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. If my studies, from what I can gather, the head of his spear was 15 pounds. And his shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Say greatly afraid. I've read this story several times this week and and one thing became clear to me about fear. And it helped me understand why God challenged us and chastised us not to give in to it. Fear does not acknowledge the presence of God. Have you ever been so scared that you can't move? Anybody? Were you either frozen physically, mentally, emotionally, even spiritually? And there's no condemnation if you have. I mean, 10 years ago, this very month, I was gripped by fear. When I was fired from my job of 14 years and unable to find work for nearly seven months. And I had a family of six to provide for. I know firsthand how fear can paralyze you. In our prayer time, you know, the first two weeks, uh, my wife and I, we got together and, and we regularly prayed. And we just put the issue before the altar of the Lord, put it at his feet. And, and um, in our prayer time, my wife kept hearing, kicker is where God would provide a job. But I was so, fear had such a grip on me, I got to tell you, I, I had no faith for that. I didn't regard that word like I should have at the time. I desperately kept trying in vain to find work doing what I had been doing for 14 years. 
I put in applications everywhere. I put in resumes everywhere. And I won't belabor the story and everything, but I tell you what, uh, God blessed me with a godly wife. Uh, uh, God blessed me, and I, I, I'm not sure if, how they feel about me uh, calling them out, but uh, uh, Candy and Gary Clarkson, God blessed me through them. And my late father-in-law, who just passed away, I didn't even realize how much the fear had gripped me, how much guilt had gripped me. I thought I had dealt with it, to be honest with you. I thought I dealt with the pain. I thought I dealt with the offense. I thought I dealt with the fear. But I was deceiving myself. And it was a, a heartfelt conversation that my father-in-law knew he needed to have with me that helped break me out of my self-doubt, my self-pity, my self-condemnation uh, of my fear. He told me something that my real dad never told me, and he, he's gone too, and I love him. Uh, we've reconciled before he passed, and I praise God for that. But here I am, the husband of his daughter, only daughter, the husband of his only grandchildren. Without work, we're in Tennessee at their house. And he encouraged me. <laughs> he told me what kind of man he saw me as. He told me he believed in me. And he appreciated how I treated his daughter. And... Uh, he just said, he said some things that I needed to hear. And I blubbered like a baby. And it was kind of a cathartic experience for me. You know? One day, I don't even know if he's here. Steve Irby. <laughs> you know, Steve Irby, kicker, they kind of go hand in hand. He just asked. He didn't have to. He just asked how the job search was going. I told him I got a lot of uh, resumes out. Nothing. And he just said, you know, he didn't do more than he had to do. Say, hey, give me your resume. I'll pass it around. Maybe, maybe somebody will see something that they like. I'm not going to press it, but I'm just going to show it around. And remember, my wife kept hearing that first two weeks that we prayed, kicker. Now, I worked at Creative Labs, sound, computer sound cards, DVD drives, webcams, kicker, car audio. I'm not seeing how one translates to the other. I'm looking at it in the natural. There's nothing there for me. But he throws it out there, and uh, next thing you know, I get a call. I get an interview. I think it took like three months for them to hire me, which frustrated me to no end. But I ended up getting hired at Kicker, just like God put on my wife's heart the first two weeks after I lost my job. I don't know if she was afraid. I know I was. But she heard from the Lord in a way that I couldn't. 
because my fear didn't allow me to acknowledge him in that situation the way that I, the way that I should have been able to. So I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. I, I don't have a high horse to stand on. I just know God looked out for me. God provided for me. And fortunately, despite my issues with fear in that first two weeks, God lovingly worked me through it to where I was able to evict fear from my heart and receive what God had for me. Amen? Sometimes the issue is not us waiting on God. It's us having to deal with our issues so that we can receive what God has already provided. That job wasn't, God told Christy that Kicker had a job for me before that job ever became available. The job that I ended up having did not exist before I was hired in it. The reason it took three months for them to finally hire me despite every indication that they wanted me was because it was going through the approval process. Someone had requested this job, saw my resume, saw that it lined up with what they wanted in that position. And finally the approval came and they offered me the job. So it was never even posted. I mean, that's how good God is. He knew I would lose that job when I did, and he had a job already in the works. That was my job. Nobody, don't even bother applying for it. That was my job. Praise the Lord. In this passage, we have Goliath. He's a monster. Intimidating. Openly defying the Lord. We have God's appointed man, King Saul, and the armies of the Lord standing there arrayed for battle, to fight. But they're stuck. They're stuck by fear. He comes out with a challenge. Come on here, army of God. There's no need for to waste all these lives and and, and, and have all the, the, the mothers childless and all the, the women waiting for their husbands, uh, uh, widowed. Just have your champion come and fight me. And whoever wins, the other will be their servants. So the stakes are high. Not only is he huge, monstrous, intimidating, but the stakes are everything. If you lose, everybody is a slave. It's not just an L for you. That could be scary. If you allow it, fear will keep you silent when you should be making a stand for God. Do you hear me?
And I believe that there are those who can relate to me, to relate to my story, relate to what I'm saying. They should be making a stand for God. Any one of those guys in the presence of God, in the power of God, was more than Goliath could handle. But fear didn't allow them to acknowledge the presence of God. So all they could see was him versus me. And I can't handle that. Does that make sense? It will make you think you're impotent when you actually have power. It will have you stalemated in a situation where you should be victorious. Let's move on to verse 19. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And that was peculiar to me. They're fighting, just making no progress. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out and to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army, and David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before, only this time David heard him. Now, I, didn't, I think it was before the first passage in the first uh, three verses or so. Goliath had done this for 40 days. Morning and evening, twice a day, for 40 days, no takers. And we're talking about the army of the Lord. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, again, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Two questions. What shall be done for the man who kills this fool? Is that allowed, CJ? For the man who takes away the reproach from Israel. Second question, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He's in the same situation as everybody else. Skilled men of war, Saul, the anointed man of God, David, a shepherd boy. All he, 
He wasn't even, the only reason he was there, he wasn't there seeking glory. He wasn't there because he heard about Goliath and he wanted to have his moment in time. He was only there out of obedience to his father. Bringing food for his brothers and the commander. Go to check on his brothers to see if they were okay. And to bring word back, bring a token, some token that they were okay to his dad. And in the midst of carrying out these duties, he's getting ready to go back to his dad and Goliath comes out. With the same taunts, the same threats that he has done for 40 days. And for the first time, not a man of war, not the king. A shepherd boy who wrote in Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. I'm just going to keep reading through this passage and I'll get to a conclusion here. So all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is the uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the Lord? And the people answered him in the same way, so shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another man and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated him, repeated them before Saul and he sent for him and David said to Saul I love this David said to Saul let no man's heart fail because of him your servant will go and fight with this Philistine and Saul said to David Man, you're not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth, and he has been a man for, of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And I know you know the story, but I'm reading it anyway. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him 
and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. We're talking about lions and bears. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. You know, for some reason, I always remember that he struck down a lion and a bear. But apparently, it was a fairly common occurrence. He said, I've struck down lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. What a coward. Okay. I was, look, I was hoping Coach Smith was here. I was going to use him in an, as, a, as an object lesson. Let me see. I'm going to have to use Brother Turner. So, <laughs> huh? Used to, uh, well, I don't know. I can't guarantee the chair, brother. Let me get, let me get somebody over here. Wait. Okay, which one of y'all is the shortest? <laughs> Here it goes. <laughs> yeah, he's not. Y'all have to use your imaginations, all right? <laughs> he may have to get on his knees or something. I don't know. But, <laughs> but there you go. Now, I got to thinking about this. Now, this is fairly decent, fairly close, but I'm going to change this over to a football analogy, all right? <laughs> now, imagine this guy who played at OSU. He's running back in the NFL. Imagine him fully padded. Helmet, pads, jersey, all the, the whole nine. He's got nothing but what he's got on right now. All right. Now he's coming up to me. Now I'm a coach. All right. Now my job is on the line. All right. All he's got to do with no pads on is run through him. He can't run around him. He's got to truck him. He's got to run right through him and go and break the goal line. If he doesn't, it costs me everything. I got to tell you, if he came to me with that proposal, it ain't going to work. It's not going to go well with me. I don't know what he could say to convince me to put everything on the line and say, go for it. The Lord be with you. You've got an eight or nine foot tall individual, so buff so strong, 
that his, <laughs> so buff, so strong that the male that he's wearing, the chain male, is 125 pounds. His spear is so big and so heavy, the head of the spear is 15 pounds by itself. All right? He's an experienced. So he's an NFL running back right now that he's got to run through. Okay? I don't know what, what age he's in, but I'd, it'd be like he's a, a high school freshman. That's about the equivalent of what David's task was. And somehow, he was so filled with conviction, so filled with faith. He so convinced Saul that he was capable of doing in the Lord what he said he was doing, that Saul risked everything and said, go. It, I don't know, it probably doesn't, thank you guys, it probably does not. I don't know if it hit you that way, but I'm saying, my gosh, he convinced the king to try this ridiculous, ridiculous thing. It's not just about the size. It's not just about the strength difference. There's also an experience difference on top of it. There's a reason the king and every man of war under his command was silent at every at two challenges a day for 40 days. They're stuck. Another thought hit me as I meditated on this this week. I am so glad that David's thinking about what God could do in him and through him was not limited, was not limited to his experience. What do I mean by that? It wasn't limited to God being able to use him in just sheep herding or just in music. Sometimes we fall, we fall prey to that thinking, don't we? We have talents. We have abilities. We have skills. God-given. Those things become our identity. And the only way we can see God using us is in the prism of those things. You get that? Now, God wants to do something in our lives outside of that prism, but we cannot see it. We don't have faith for it. All we have faith for is that prism. And we wonder why God isn't moving. We wonder why we seem stuck. We wonder why we're not progressing. When God is inviting us outside the prison. David didn't know what was in store for him. 
He was just being obedient to his father. He did not know this moment was about to arrive. I feel like there's a difference between what you know you're capable of doing and what God's purpose is for you. There's comfort in what we know we're capable of doing. But I don't remember Moses being comfortable when God called him. I don't remember Abram being comfortable when God said, sacrifice the promised son. I don't recall Mary being comfortable when she didn't know a man and God said, you're going to be pregnant with the son of the most high. I don't recall Jesus being comfortable when it was time for him to suffer the cross. Amen? So God challenges us beyond what we're comfortable with. David didn't run to the battle seeking his one shining moment. He didn't go there to show everybody what he could do. He wasn't after validation. He wasn't seeking glory, and he wasn't trying to prove himself. The only reason he showed up to the battlefield was out of obedience to his father. David was given what we would call a menial task by his father. I told you earlier he had to take food to his brothers and the commander and bring word back to his father that they were okay. It wasn't glamorous. It didn't require much skill at all. But David didn't resent it. He didn't take it for granted. Even in that menial task, he conducted himself with honor toward his father. He did it as unto the Lord. David didn't look at the task as being beneath his abilities. He held his father in high esteem. Their relationship was such that any task given by his father was significant to David. And he would honor his father and his God in the doing of that task. David was not a man to despise the day of small beginnings. But little did he know that his moment was on the horizon. Completely unaware that God was using his faithfulness in a menial task to reposition him. To get David to the place where God would highlight the qualities that caused God to select him as Israel's future king. I wanted to point that out. Saul occupies the throne, but the throne is reserved for David. He's already been anointed. I'm not even sure, and Pastor CJ may be able to help me with this, but I'm not even sure. When I read it, I know that he was anointed. God told Samuel to anoint him as king, but in the reading of the passage, I don't recall Samuel outright telling him that that's why he was anointing him. Nothing? Okay. He anointed him, but the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord was on him from that moment on. 
It doesn't say that he spent, it doesn't say that he spent any day or any hour, any minute fretting when the purpose of God was going to be fulfilled in his life. Okay? He didn't run around wanting it to happen now. All he cared about was treasuring the heart of God. All he cared about was being faithful to the things of God, being faithful in whatever his father assigned him to do. He didn't worry for his life. If a bear or a lion came and tried to steal one little sheep, he wasn't letting one go. So he was obedient. He was, he was humble. He trusted in God completely. He said, God, God spared me from the bears. God enabled me to defeat the bears and the lions. And God will enable me to defeat this Philistine. He trusted, unlike Saul, David trusted in him completely. And he, he feared God. He treasured God. He trusted in God completely. And it didn't matter if it's a nine-foot giant. It didn't matter if it was an army that outnumbered them 100 to 1. It, you know, it didn't matter if they outnumbered them in chariots or horses. He trusted in the name of the Lord his God. And we celebrate the killing and the, con the conquering of Goliath. But you know what we ought to be celebrating? Those qualities. Those qualities that caused him to be selected as God's man in the first place. His faithfulness, his loyalty, his obedience, his fear of the Lord, and his complete trust in him. You know, the scripture that says David was a man after God's own heart, you know the way I, I translate that, and you know what? If you disagree, it's okay. You can be wrong. But I translate that as he was a man who is in the constant pursuit of God's heart. It's not just that he performed in a way that, you know, that, 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 that he tried to emulate God. No, God's heart was the thing that he was after. And because he was constantly after God's heart, he was constantly in the presence of his God. Amen. And there wasn't, he wasn't prone to fear. F fear couldn't even get in. His heart was being guarded. He was too close, too in tune with the presence of God. Fear couldn't get in. It didn't even compute. All he could see was Goliath compared to his God. That dude ain't nothing. How's he going to defy the army of God? I'll take care of this. For 40 days, the army of Israel was frozen like a deer in headlights. Paralyzed by fear. And I'm going to ask you to stand for 40 days. And I want to challenge you. 
I don't know what your Goliath is. It, it, it may not be Robert. And it might. I don't know. I don't know what your Goliath is. And, and, and if fear is not something that, that you struggle with, if, if you're not at that point in life where you're frozen, where you're stuck, where fear in some area has a hold of your soul. And I would encourage you to just pray. For those of us who who, who do or have encountered it, who are in that time of life right now. And if you are that person right now, I just want to encourage you right now Thank you, Lord. God has not given you spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Allow me to encourage you that fear is lying to you. It wants to intimidate you. It wants you to believe that it's just you and whatever it is that's intimidating you. But that is a lie. The presence of God is with you. And I want you to rise up against that fear. And I want you to make that declaration that David made against Goliath. I want you to make that declaration against whatever it is that has risen up against you and tempted you to fear. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I lift up your people, Lord. Father God, fear has no place in us. We rebuke it in Jesus' name. Father God, I thank you for every instance in my life that you have delivered me from. I thank you that where fear once abounded, Father God, that your grace and your presence in my life got me through. And my brothers and sisters in this congregation this morning, Lord, that are struggling in that area, I just pray that the revelation of your truth is, is made real in their hearts, Lord. I just pray that in this moment in their life, when they're looking, when they're like the deer that's crossing the street, and they're seeing the headlights 
and they're frozen right now. They're stuck. They're panicked. Fear won't let them move. I just, I just declare freedom in Jesus' name, Father God. Right now, break that fear, Lord. Break that fear, Lord, that they may cross that threshold and cross that street, Lord, and get to the purpose and plan for which you've called them. You haven't called us to be stuck. You haven't called us to be stagnant. You haven't called us to be silent when we should be making a stand for you. Strengthen the feeble knees, Lord. Lift up the heads that are hanging low, Father God. And strengthen our hearts that we might stand. That we might not be silent when we ought to stand, but that having done all to stand, we will stand for you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. That wasn't that good? That was so good. <laughs> I just even feel, I hear, I was even hearing a further call to song in the spirit. Um, can you play some music, uh, Garrett? Um, I just hear a further call. So if you can just keep posturing your heart to receive. Um, you know, I just think, just thinking of earlier, just the roaring of the lion, the roaring of the lion. And I believe that's really significant because I believe there's some lies that are roaring right now in your eyes about yourself. I believe that the enemy puts himself up like an older brother that says, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're foolish. You're not meant for this. You're not meant for this. And it's time to go against that older brother syndrome. How many of you are getting sick and tired of the enemy telling you what you can and can't do? How many of you are sick and tired of believing the lies and make, and accepting that as truth instead of what the word of God says against you? We should all be tired because it creeps upon us and it disguises itself as truth. It says, but see, look, this is why you can't do that. Look, this is why you're a failure. Look, this is why nobody likes you. And I'm going to say it's a lie. It's a lie. And part of freedom is adapting that truth and say, but God, you've seen me in the private. But God, you've seen me in the secret place. But God, you've worked mightily in my life and you're not going to stop right now. How many of you are here right now who are ready to see that? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Because we're going to go after somebody. We're going to go after the spirit right now. What does it take? It takes bravery. David didn't stay as he's delivering that lunch. He didn't stay in the back room going, oh, yeah, I see this. This is truth, but I'm not going to do anything about it. He actually approached the king. He actually approached the king and said, here I am. Here I am. So I'm going to ask you guys to raise your hand to come up front in declaration of saying, here I am. Here I am. I'm making this step forward. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to let the enemy take control of my thoughts. I'm not even going to be embarrassed that I have bad thoughts. Good 
after this thing, we're going to break off these mindsets that say, I'm not good enough, that speak lies, that speak condemnation over yourself. And we just say, no, no more in Jesus' name. And we just declare freedom right now in Jesus' name. Ministry team, if you're not up front, can you come and start laying hands on these people right now? In Jesus' name, we partner with truth. In Jesus' name, Father God, here I am. Here I am. Let that be your heart cry. Here I am. Jesus, I will not stay hidden. I will not stay quiet. I will not stay silent. And I will not listen to the enemy roaring in my line, roaring in my mind. So right now, I just speak release, release in Jesus' name. Just release, release of truth in Jesus' name. Ho! In Jesus' name. That we just be released. 